is Rochester Today. I'm Andy Brownell, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM with the City Council Member, Sean Palmer. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Andy. Thank you again for having me on. Well, it's going to be a great week, isn't it? Yeah, every every day we get closer to spring is a great week. <laughs> well, it's, pre- it's President's Day. We should be celebrating. It is President. I always forget because I don't get the day off. So it's uh, yeah. not a holiday where I work. Our city council um, is meeting on Wednesday so that uh, um, city offices are, are closed, federal offices are closed, your banks are probably closed. So it's just you and I working today. Yeah, and this doesn't really work, so... <laughs> Well, the last time you were with us, we talked about the cost of snow removal, and you threw out a number, which I thought was a pretty amazing number. I couldn't hardly believe that that's what it costs. And you went back and actually got the real numbers and sent them to me for the past week. So I'll let you share what you found out. Well, it was interesting. Um, I have always had $25 in the back of my head is what it cost for us to, to plow the street for each house. And, and uh, so I asked that question and the staff came back and said, well, it's more like $17 per person. <laughs> so basically about $40 a, a year for us to plow your, your streets, um, all the streets. And I think that's a pretty good deal. So $40 per capita. It's seventeen dollars per, per, per person. So if you have, you know, if you round it up to two and a half people, average houses, it's okay. about forty dollars. I mean, you know, you can, you know, but that's, but it's, that's, that's a good average. And that's for the entire season. That's the entire season, not per snowfall. So, you know, find a way that I can hire the city crews to do my driveway, and I pay that rate. I'd be a very happy guy. Well, some people would argue the other way that maybe a private industry could do it cheaper, but uh, I don't know if they could or not. I don't know if they could or not, no. <laughs> we were under union contract to have our, our employees do it, and they do a great job. And it's a it's a non-forgiving job. You're out there daily, and, and they're always working, salting roads and doing this. And they get the nasty phone call when somebody's mailbox gets hit or they go on somebody's lawn, but they do their best and, and – uh, you know, we we pride ourselves in Rochester having good, clean roads. And I don't know if you visit the cities, but Minneapolis and St. Paul, I don't know if they've plowed the residential roads this year or not, but they're not Oh, good. it's terrible up there. So, you know, so and we do a good job. To make it worse, where my sister lives in South Minneapolis, uh, their garages face out to an alley. And as you can imagine, the job that they do on the streets of Minneapolis Think about what they do in the alleys in Minneapolis. Well, my grand, my grandma um, had a house on 8th Avenue Southeast with an alley in the back. So me growing up as a country club manor boy, we didn't have that. And uh, the city does a good job of plowing that alley. I still drive down it once in a while. And 900 block of 8th Avenue Southeast is one of the very few with an alley in that area. So. Now, I, it is one thing about living in this community that uh, we do like to complain but we also have to take things into perspective and visit other communities about the same size or larger than ours um, to get a wake-up call, I guess. The, how? Well, I'll tell you what, I have people come visit and stay a week or so here in Rochester, and all of them will just go on and on and on about how clean the city is. 
And <laughs> we're just so used to it that when we see a little bit of litter, we kind of go, oh, look at this mess. I can't believe this mess is still here. And, and we take it for granted just how clean our community is and how, you know, relatively speaking, crime-free compared to other communities of its size. And, uh, yeah, we should all once in a while show a little gratitude, I guess, maybe, huh? Well, I always quote James J. Hill had a quote that said that great cities don't happen by accident. And, you know, Rochester, in my opinion, is a great city. But I will say we are always trying to improve. There's always places that we can do better. And I think that's what makes Rochester great is that we we know that we're good or great, but but we can always do better. And we're always striving to do that. And that's my goal is is, is to always be doing better. And, you know, we do have crime in Rochester. Everybody does. And, and, and we don't like that, obviously. But uh um, we have a very good police department because we invest in our police department, and, you know, and that investment comes from the taxpayers and the demand of the community to have a good police department. And, and that's just one example of, of, of where Rochester does a really good job. I'll tell you what, why don't we take a break and we'll come back. And I know one of the issues you've been dealing with and the city is delving deeper into is this whole housing issue, particularly affordable housing. We'll uh, chat about that when we come back after this quick break on Rochester Today. It's City Council Member Sean Palmer on Newstock 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. What does it really mean to provide the... 96.9 FM, I'm Andy Brownell along with City Council Member Sean Palmer. It's Rochester Today on this Monday morning. And uh, the last council meeting, I wasn't the last meeting... A previous meeting since we last spoke, Sean, a couple of resolutions were passed dealing with affordable housing. What is that all about? Well, this has been an interesting road. I was put on the housing coalition for the city council, and it became apparent. Um, I literally met with over 20 people on housing solutions. And the housing that we're talking about is the entry-level home ownership um, aspect of it in in the price range that I'm I'm shooting for is that two thirty two fifty two hundred fifty thousand dollar home um, so you can own it you know it's something that an entry level person at the mail or our fire department or our police department or just that waiter or waitress um, can afford to to live in um, and how do we do that in in one of the reports that we got was a fifty page report on the housing coalition and they talk about how do we incentivize. Um, uh, developers to come into our community and, and provide this entry-level homeowner-occupied. The other report that we got was from the BIPOC community, and, and that's minority community, and they're at about 22% home ownership. And what that means is that, that they're not getting that investment. They're not getting that building wealth in their home. There's a lot of nonprofits in Rochester that will help them get a down payment, will help them know how to have a house. Because if you think about it, Andy, you and I, I've lived in a house, our dad's had a house, our grandfather's had a house, and, and if you haven't, you don't understand some of the ins and outs, and so there's some nonprofits that, that are willing to do that. So, you know, the, the city council had a vote. We had a council initiative action, CIA we call them, 7-0 vote on it saying, hey, staff, come back to us sometime in May or June um, with, with some suggestions, the, the pluses and the minuses of what can we do to incentivize um, uh, this type of home being built. Um, and some of the ideas that, that I had that listening to these people was, was one of them is, is TIF um, financing, uh, tax increment financing. We did that for two different subdivisions in the 90s, um, and that worked out pretty well. 
Um, some other things that we could do is, is that we can bond for sewer water and, and, um, uh, roads. And if we do that and have that homeowner pay that over 15 years instead of paying for it right away, um, land trust, we're really fortunate in Rochester to have the Rochester Area Foundation and they have a land trust and, and that land then sits, is owned by the land trust. And so you don't own the land. So that's your 20% down payment. Um, when you go to sell that house, you, you don't sell it for as much. Um, but the appreciation on that land stays with the land trust. And, you know, so those are kind of the, 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 the little bit of ideas. There's probably, we have a great staff and they'll come back with probably 10 or 15 things that we can do. City council will then whittle that down or say, if you do this on an existing sewer line, if you have a price point of this, this is what we'll incentivize you to do. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited that the city council is going to do it. Rochester and Olmsted County are uniquely um, positioned to do this. And, and the reason I say that is that we do have a, a housing coalition. We do have the Rochester Area Foundation. Um, we do have some, some really great uh, developers out there that can make this work. So I'm excited that we can do it. Um, the other question on it is why, you know, and, and, and the, the big reason why you should care if you're listening to the radio today is, is do you want somebody to, you know, greet you at the mail clinic? Do you want somebody to be your waiter or waitress? Do you want to have a fireman, police one, uh, working in our community, um, and living here? You know, and the other one is building wealth. Do you want to have people, you know, build wealth? And I've heard from many different people who've lived in Rochester a long time who love to have their son or daughter live in Rochester and they just can't afford a home. Um, those price range houses, $250,000 below, um, are on the market for about 20 days. And so there's a great need um, to do that. Sometimes they're on the market for just hours, not days. Yeah, the average is tw- the average is twenty days, yeah. <laughs> and in in a lot of times it goes over price. And you know the the debate is you know geez do you need a triple garage? Well, most of these houses are in that range have a single car garage. The other side of this is, and it's kind of an exciting part of it, about a third of people and seniors need to, to would like to live in a single slab, you know, grade house. And if we could get them out of the Sunset Terrace, the Elton Hills house. And, and they sell their house for 250 and they can move into a house that's a new furnace and, and they have a slab on grade. Well, then they don't have to go down the basement to do their laundry. They don't have to go down the stairs, but that would open that house up then for, for another family. And, and, you know, so there's some really great benefits to, to incentivize this. And there, there is going to be a public good. There is a public good to it. And so there will have to have some public in, input in how we finance or how we incentivize this. So Sean, I know other communities have tried this. Is there any tracts of land owned by the city that would be good for residential development? That I, I know some smaller towns have basically said, "We'll give you the give you the lot for a dollar. It's already developed, and you build a house on it, trying to attract new residents." Well, the, it's a, it's an interesting question because we don't own a lot of out on the outskirts land, but we do have sewer investment. Um, in Northwest and in Northeast Rochester, we have a capacity in our sewer system, which we've already invested in. And so if a developer bought, you know, I'm using number 100 acres and they want to build, uh, you know, um, 70 houses there, um, that would, that would be helpful there. What we own in the city, and, and I was a big proponent and pushed it hard, was we own some lots downtown. And how do we get those on the, on the tax roll? How do we help? With housing and, and, and one of the areas is north of Mill you know, Civic Auditorium. We're in negotiations with a company to provide some housing in there on both market, market rate and regular. 
are subsidized, but also across from uh, City Hall, the old muffler um, um, place, and, and there's old water, um, the parking lot that's flat there on the Zumbro, and, and we're going to go off for an RFP on that and see how we can incentivize people to, to build there. And, and so that's kind of an exciting time from that, from a land perspective. Okay. The other question I had on this, what do you hear from the developers? Is this something that they can actually pull off if they had the proper incentives to get that $250,000 home built? You know, it's it's been interesting when I talked to them. And my first goal when I when I when I, I literally met with over twenty people to to learn and to listen. You know, I went in there was saying, well, we need to build a thousand um, single family homes, and and they're all, wow, we can't do that, but we can do five hundred. And I'm like, well, okay, five hundred is better than what we had. Um, and so they say yes if we have the right incentives that they'd be willing to try to do that. You know, in years past, and and I've been in the building industry for over thirty years in Rochester. Um, we had people like Bob DeWitts and, and Joe Bigelow who really wanted that entry-level home. Um, well, you you live in a neighborhood that's an entry-level home. It was a Bigelow neighborhood, yep. Yep, and and they really, that was their market. And and we need to incentivize these guys back into the, and women to back into um, doing this and, and, and making sure that that risk that they're willing to take, that we can help them with that and incentivize and, and do that. And, I, I really do believe that that Olmsted County and Rochester are, are poised to do a really bang up job on this issue. Is part of this lot size, John? I mean, well, my it, home has a I, I like jokingly call it a postage stamp size lot, and I'm okay with that because I know what I paid for it, and I know I got I think good value there, but it, it is not a humongous lawn, that's for sure. Well, it's funny you say that. And, and um, we went down from 6,000 square feet lot, that's yours, uh, to a 3,000 square foot lot. So you're able to, to have a lot more houses on lots. You'll be seeing some row houses. I lived on 15th Avenue Northeast, and, and then I had a friend's son who came in there and looked at my backyard and went, where's your backyard? I mean, it was a very small, 60 feet wide lot, you know, and, and, you know, so not a very big lot, but um, it's a great neighborhood. And, and, you know, yeah, you're going to give up that big lawn, but uh, you're also going to be closer to your neighbors and, and easier for us to maintain and run bus service to you and sewer to you. And so, you know, having different size of lots is, is be able to go down to 3000 square foot lots going to be helpful. Okay. But as I see the market today, you have this mismatch. You have a bunch of houses being built, but they're all five, six hundred and above thousands of dollars. Um, and not, there's not, I, I, I don't know of any home that's being built for less than $400,000 in this community right now. And it's, it's, I would see this as a, a pretty major challenge to try to get it down to 250000 well, you know, I like a challenge and Rochester's up to doing a challenge and there are, there are houses that are being built right now in Rochester for about 290. Um, we do give, mm. uh, incentivize people to do that. I think the average price for Rochester's homes are 350, but I just read in the paper that in, in Albert Lee, the average price of a home is $150,000. Really? Well, it's a supply and demand in, in, People have a they they want to live in Rochester. It's a good community to live in, um, and they want to live here. And so, how do we? How it's a supply issue. How do we get more supply of that entry level home? In um, the other side, it's a, it's a interesting way of looking at this. Is 
if I buy a house in a smaller community, let's I'll use Casson, and and we start my family, and and the kids start to go to Casson schools. When I want to build the next house, I'm going to do it in the Casson school district. If I'm in Rochester, I'm in the Rochester Public School District. I'm going to want to move into Rochester Public School District and move up. And so that entry level home um, is important. And you know that I go back to the retirement. I go back to that somebody's older than 65 and they don't want to live in that 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 home they've lived in for 30 or 40 years. They don't want to go down that set of stairs. Um, you know, a slab and grade home for them at 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 $250,000 is is good right now. I think the beginning townhouse is about four fifty. So they don't want to borrow. They don't want to mortgage something. But they'd swap, you know, an older home for a newer home. Yeah, you're right about taking on a new mortgage. You don't really want to do that as you're going into retirement. It seems kind of counterproductive at that point. The apartment buildings we see going up everywhere. One thing I've seen on social media is, you know. A lot of comments, oh, yeah, on other apartment building. Oh, yeah, more apartments. We need more houses. So it does match with what you're talking about. So it shows to me, it demonstrates that there is a demand right now. There are a lot of people right now in this community who would grab up this type of home and be uh, buyers if they were available. So well, it's interesting it- you have this mismatch between supply and demand. Well, the Maxfield study, we've had two of them done, and, and they say we need housing of all types. So we need apartments. Um, and I always tell everybody from an economic perspective, if you see a banner on the outside of an apartment building that says two months for free, that tells you we have enough apartments, and we don't have that going on right now. But we, but the Maxfield study says we need 450 single-family dwellings every year. Last year we built 200. And, and so it's not – Sean telling you this, it, it's going after this study and this study and that study. People who, who have, have studied this issue have come back with, with these recommendations and it's important for us to follow up on that. I mean, again, go back to the BIPOC community at 22% home ownership. Um, you know, uh, the European people, it's 77% home ownership, um, and the wealth that they're building. Um, you know, yep. so if you're in an apartment and I can move you out and into our community and, and have you be part of our community and you're growing wealth, what a great thing for these families. Oh, yeah. And and as you pointed out, bring, bring different cultures into all the different neighborhoods as being your next door neighbor. Yes. And that would go a long way for building bridges. Let's put it that way. And, and I'm not, you know, this is not anti-renters. We need renters. We need to have people come in our community. Not everybody wants to buy a house. Um, you know, we have a lot of people that work at Mayo Clinic who are working labs who are here for two to three years. And and they're going to be leaving. It doesn't make financial sense to, to buy a house at two or three years. Um, but if you're going to be here for more than that, again, I'm not your financial advisor. But you know, <laughs> mo- mo- most studies will tell you that, that home ownership is a great way of building wealth. All right. We have to take a break for news already. We're with Rochester City Council member Sean Palmer. It's Rochester Today. We'll be back after the news break on News Talk 1340, KROCAM and 96.9 FM. If you're single, a young couple just starting out to Rochester Today, Andy Brownell along with Rochester City Council member Sean Palmer on News Talk 1340, KROCAM and 96.9 FM. Sean, last week you had a study session on an issue that, well, we hadn't talked about for a few years, creating some sort of historical or heritage district in the downtown. Um, 
to try to preserve some of the older buildings that we still have left downtown. I guess maybe can you provide an update on what's going on with that issue? Because it was got pushed to the back burner for like three years. Well, 2019, we looked at it in, um, I was on the city council at the time and we decided to table it, which is always a bad thing because somebody can bring it back up and somebody in the city council decided that we should probably talk about it again. And, you know, there's two issues and I'll break them into two different parts, but one of them is the district. So they take this area and, um, they, they line around it and say, this is an historic district and this is important and we need to reserve the district. So we want the look of the district. When I travel to other cities and I go to the historic district of a city, I don't see modern buildings. And so if I stand in front of old city hall on, on first Avenue and I look across the street and see the bio business center, then I go over and I look at a parking ramp. Or if I sit in front of John Quiesel's um, business there and I look across the street and see a hotel that's brand new, um, I don't see that as a district. And so for me, I have a really hard time saying this is a district. And, and they kind of picked and choose and, and gerrymandered it around enough. Um, um, and, and I, I'm not a fan of it. Obviously you can, you can understand that, um, from my conversation. But if we're going to do historic preservation, um, for single buildings, I think that the problem we have is as being a, a past building inspector and, and watching these, these business owners, you know, buy a, a building that was in shambles and, and remodel it and fight for it. And, and, you know, they did it because they wanted to do it, but they had to fight with the fire department. They fought with building and safety. They fought with planning and zoning. They fought with everybody to get this and their bankers to get this building. They put their, 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 their dream and they got it done. And now we have people who want to show up and say, well, now we want to make it historic. We don't want you to change anything. And we don't want you to do this. And we don't want you to do that. Where were you back when, when these people were struggling to, to build these buildings? Now, if you say, Sean, this is really good for the, for the public. This is really good for Rochester to go downtown and, and see these old buildings, old city hall. And, and boy, this is really a great, great facility. Well, then there's public good. And so then your taxes should have to pay to incentivize people to, to do that. And, you know, if you're going to put $800,000 into um, historic preservation, that's 1% of your tax rate. You know, that's 1% that can't go somewhere else. And so, you know, if that's what the city council wants to do, I would support us doing a, a tax subsidy of, of doing something to keep an historic building. Uh, but the district to me just doesn't, doesn't carry the water. And, and so um, that's why I divided those issues in my mind, whether or not we have city council members that would take five of them to, to vote to say, yes, we want to have a historic district or five of them to say, Hey, we want to spend, you know, incentivize this and, and do that. You know, part of the problem is the old Olmson County Bank building, which was, used to be Tinklers and it used to be, uh, I think, Goonies. The uh, person that bought that and has has, has uh, made a suggestion that they want to do something on this building. And, and one of the things that the historic people said, well, it has to be set two feet back behind the front of the building. Well, that just adds structural problems to it. Well, there's a window in the alley and we don't like that window in the alley. Um, you know, and so – that just makes it hard for these business people, these these owners, to to, to incentivize to do something. Um, it just puts up another layer of of unknown. And you know, whenever you have unknown in a market, it's always priced high. And, and so for me, it, it's going to be a difficult road to hole here. Um, and I think the city council will will have that discussion probably in May, maybe late April. Okay. For folks who have not been following this issue, what? 
what kind of what kind of mechanism would the city use or what kind of restrictions would all property owners face if their building were to be designated as part of this district if it were to occur? Um, that the very clear on it that it would be the exterior of the buildings. You really couldn't touch them um, until you had permission from from the historic people, and that's where the that's where the rub comes. Is is you know what can I do with my building? I want to change the window. Whoops, it's got to go through a, a historic um, designation. The other one is you know we have a lot of buildings that look old downtown, but are they old? Is it is have the windows been replaced? Um, has the entryway been replaced? Um, you know, so, so what, you know, you and I would agree, uh, probably eight buildings downtown Rochester are historic. You know, the old, the old public library, the Palmer building, Massey's, um, you know, those are historic buildings, old city hall. Um, but you know, you start getting down to is the Olmsted County bank building, historic building. Well, it's old. It was a bank, you know, but there's also people who'll say, well, but the, the male brothers, um, operated on somebody on the second floor of the pain building and oh geez, we need to save it because of that one event. Is that, does that make it historic? You know, I mean, so there's a lot of different perspectives on this and, and where you come from. And, but the thing would be a zoning hoop that you'd have to jump through is, is I want to remodel this building. Um, this is what I want to do at the front of it. Basically, they wouldn't be able to do anything to it. Okay. What have you heard from the property owners who would be affected if this ordinance were to be approved? Well, oh. it's, it's interesting because, you know, they invested time and money and their sweat and their dreams into these buildings. So they're, they're for historic preservation. They, they, they've lived it. They, they know what it's like to do. Um, you know, so they're looking for incentives to say, if there's a public good that, that you're going to put onto my building, then the public needs to have some, some skin in the game and, and this, I think that would be the, what I hear from most of them, um, you know. And, and again, I have a little different experience dealing with these guys from a, you know, a pigeon trap um, a building that that building code went in there and said you had to do this, 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 and this, and fire department saying you had to do this, 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 and this, and planning zoning saying the same thing. And and these people just had that dream and that drive to to want to do this. And now, you know, now you got historic preservationists who are running around going, well. Now you've done that. We want you to preserve it, and here's the money. Um, you know, where's the money? You know, the other one is that just came up is the Wonder Bread factory on 11th Avenue. Um, that the entire facade of that has been redone, and the, the brickwork is, is failing, and it's no longer historic. And I believe that building is going to come down, and we're going to have a seven-story apartment building built in a great location in Rochester, um, you know, close to St. Mary's, close to Mayo Clinic, and, and help us out with that. So, you know, there's an historic building that people, some people say it's historic, but, you know, if you look at it, it's, there's nothing original to it. If you go to some communities, I'll point to Winona or La Crosse, and the, the old buildings, the retention of all these old buildings creates a ambiance, let's put it that way, that brings people to those areas um, for entertainment purposes generally or shopping. Um, would that make this worthwhile, this district, to try to create that sort of ambience downtown that people would go to, you know, I don't know, <laughs> like, you know, I'd go to lacrosse and see what they have. I guess we'd have some more pubs. Well, I, I mean, if you go to Winona, I went to Winona State, and you stand there and you look around at the buildings, you'll see old buildings from the 1870s because it was a river town. And, and you know, 
I was living in Winona in the 80s and, and literally have ripped out tin ceilings out of buildings and, and, and hardwood floors out of buildings because they were going to get demolished um, because the pigeons had been in there. There's just no use to those buildings anymore. Um, you know, but if you stand in, in Winona and a lot of the streets, you don't see new buildings. If you go down to La Crosse, you don't see new buildings. You see a lot of old Rivertown. Uh, that's a district to me. Um, in, in that gives you the obvious of, of, of being a, a district. You know, in Rochester, I just, again, on First Avenue, you know, you look around and go, yeah, there's an old building there, but there's not a bunch of them. Okay. And you mentioned skin in the game and you mentioned how much it would cost the taxpayer if you were to go that route. Are there any existing incentives out there that can be tapped into to try to assist the property owner who wishes to retain as much as possible of a historic? Um, I guess the facade of the building. There is, and the state of Minnesota let one of theirs fall off. And in quite frankly, the incentives from 2019 are, are less than they were today. Um, and so there's not been a lot of stuff that you can save to do, um, you know, from an historic um, perspective. Okay, I'll answer that. Yeah. On the council, can you see a direction, or is this one of those that? We'll see what happens when it gets brought back before the council in May and we put a finger up in the wind and find out when the vote's taken? Or do you have any gut feeling on your other council members? Well, I'll put it this way. It's always romantic and it's always nice when you sit there in a study session and you talk about something and then the staff come back and say, this is what we, we, we want to do. The rubber has hit the road and, and these are the tough decisions you have to make. Um, and then you probably are going to get some lobbying from people who own buildings. You're probably going to get some lobbying from people who want to be historic. And then you've got to make your decision of, of how you make your, your, your vote. Um, it's easy, you know, in a study session to say, Oh yeah, this is okay. But, you know, I didn't know, you know, we're going to have to spend 3% of my sales tax, uh, or 3% of my property tax to, to do what I want to do. That's, that's expensive. So All right. maybe, I'm, I'm, I, I don't do a good job sometimes of guessing, but uh, I think they'll have go back to what 2019 happened and just kind of let that issue lie again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break, and uh, we'll be back with more of Rochester City Council Member Sean Palmer on Rochester Today. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM at 96.9 FM. What does it really mean to provide the best crop? New- Brown L. it's News Talk 1340, KROC AM at 96.9 FM. Rochester City Council Member Sean Palmer with us this morning. And uh, last time we talked, I don't know if it was on the air, but maybe it was off the air during one of the breaks. You mentioned that... <laughs> Yeah, which which discussion did we have, Sean, right? Uh, that you were going to talk with the school district about possibly joining forces on some things. Do you have an oh, update on that? I do, and, and we had a great conversation with the superintendent of schools, and, and uh, you know, I thank him for being on the radio because he does a great job of that. And, and one of our shared goals is how do we get – um, the buildings used a little bit more by Rochester people and, and Mark Bransford, our city council member and I met with him and, and I believe we're going to, um, uh, go to the city council in a couple of weeks with a, uh, council initiative action to, to, um, provide some funding to have Willow Creek pool open and the, some of the gyms in Rochester open by, uh, 
uh, school district employees and the city would, would help pay for that and do it as a pilot program because he sees and we see as a need is how do you, you know, how do you provide more gym space and how do we do that? And, and he's open to doing that. So we're going to meet with his staff and come up with some, some um, guidelines and what would cost and stuff. And I think the city of Rochester would be happy to, to help all the city council members be happy to have um, more gyms and swim pools and maybe a couple libraries open. I do remember many moons ago when they closed down the school buildings after hours and it was a, you know, it was a budget cut is what it was. That previously, if you had a group, you could rent those spaces for a fairly nominal fee and, and use the gym and other school facilities, but it was the cost of having uh, somebody with a certain, probably the boiler's license has to be present in the building at all times when people are in there. And that was a cost-saving move by the district. It would be nice to see that come back, to have that opened up again to the community. Yeah, and, and, and we're in the preliminary talking about it, and, and I think as a pilot program to see how it would work. And the, and the other thing is, is how do you scholarship people or what does it cost? And, and there's ways of working around that so that everybody be able to have that. And there's certain schools that it would work really well, you know, that you could get into, and some schools it won't. Um, and we know as a pilot, we'd start out and see what it took and, you know, how much, you know, you keep hearing people wanting to use their gyms, and I think that that would be a great thing for them. And I, I just like the superintendent's attitude of, of wanting to work together. Um, you know, and Olmstead County wants to work with Rochester, and, and the school district wants to work with Rochester, and we want to work with everybody. Because, you know, we serve the same people and the same taxpayer, and we really do need to, to, to work differently than we have in the past. And, and I, I was encouraged by our conversation. Yeah, you're right on the you serve the same taxpayer. When we get our tax statements, we don't look at the individual government. Most of us don't. We just look at the overall bill and say, hey, it went up or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and the other thing we were talking about is is the band shell at Cascade. You know, the Cascade Lake uh, um, has been a great investment. We started that back in the early 70s. And, and um, the band shell there is going to be named after our former mayor, uh, Canfield, who worked hard to get funding for Cascade and, and uh, so we're excited to have that being named for him. And, and if they want a plaque, we have to find some fundraising and do a plaque. But uh, I'm assuming we'll do that. So, um, so that's so the the Chuck Canfield Pavilion or the Chuck Canfield Band Shell or correct. Okay, <laughs> whatever it ends up being. I'm not the detail guy in this one. I just uh, I I've helped out the family and helped out some people to to nail that down. And it was an idea from Mayor Brady who said, "Hey." This would be really good for for him, and and they voted on that a couple of years ago. And but uh, we checked on that, and that's still the the idea. The golf um, plan I think is done. I hopefully you can say that um, we're not going to touch the golf course with the aquatics. Um, there's a shelter that got moved um, over to the west side of Gibbs Drive, and that's going to be nice to have bathrooms over there by that little castle playground and stuff. And um, they're now working in the aquatics plan. There's some um, aquatics, the things that we're going to try and do. And we got a 50 meter pool in there. Whether or not that existing building stays is going to be a question. Um, I don't think it fits very well into the plan, but I think right now they're, they're in the design phase of that. You know, as a city council member, we're not supposed to get involved with parks and, and, uh, the day to day stuff. And sometimes you get dragged into that stuff, but I'm interested to see how the pool, I'm hoping to get a pool built at Silver Lake. Um, you know, get that on the agenda. They are, this park district is right now planning on doing a McQuillan Field um, 
um, splash pad. And so they're out right now doing a poll um, survey to see what do people want, what do people think, how would you use it, what age are you. Um, you know, and some people are upset that they ask, you know, your your um, ethnic background or your age or, or your sexual preferences or however you want to put that. But, you know, we do try in the community to get a wide range of people. We just don't want um, a certain group of people just to be running things. That being said, you know, I'm not a big fan of the POCO ads or POCO surveys because, you know, anybody can sign up and, and it, it, the, the size of the, of the people of the survey is always a little off. It doesn't really match the population of Rochester. It overrepresents younger, not the older people because a lot of older people don't want to go on a survey and, and take that time. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how that survey comes out and what the park department does with them. So you're telling me that they're just as accurate as the political polls. Um, probably less. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the Post Bolton running, uh, you know, do you like deep dish pizza? And everybody, oh, yeah, I love deep dish pizza. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, okay, um, 200 people are, are, are doing that. But, and quite frankly, if I'm a golfer, I get all my golf friends to do it. Or if I'm a swimmer, I get all my swimming friends to do it. If I'm a bike person, sure. you know, they, they get in there. And, you know, the, the splash pads or an interesting one for me because um, there won't be supervised and I think they need to be and there's bathrooms there and you know how do you keep dogs out of it how do you keep kids with diapers out of it and just from a security perspective having these open you know I I, I can't keep drinking fountains at Bear Creek and Slattery Park and at Quarry Hill you know and, and I don't know how this is going to work with, with splash pads there is so one is, there, is there no fence around it or anything it's just correct, correct. okay it's, and, you know, I, I drove by yesterday uh, at Lincolnshire, and they finally got their bathroom. It's a precast building that they set. And uh, so the state of Minnesota made them have bathrooms, and, and there's no fence around it, and it's just going to be there. And um, and so it's, it's I, you know, being a lifeguard, I, I would like to see pools put in all these places, a little small 25-yard, five-lane pool to teach and do water aerobics. And, you know, kids like to bop around, but you'd have two lifeguards that get you know, could kind of keep an eye on your splash pad. Um, we do have one in Northwest Rochester. I'm going to get it wrong, but it's like on 21st Street and 19th Avenue, an old one from 1950s that you hit a button and it comes out of the top. And that's a splash pad that I'm, that not many people know about. But uh, No, I've lived here my entire life and I grew up in Northwest Rochester. I did, I did not know that. Yeah, it's a little triangular park in there. I always get the name of it mixed up, but um, that one's there. And then Lincolnshire should open. It's been a three-year deal. I think it's going to cost us twice as much as we budgeted, but uh, that should be open this next year. They're planning on doing one at Silver Lake. I think it's $2.3 million splash pad. Um, so, you know, I'd be interested to see how this all goes over. So at Soldier's Field, do you have any timeline when you as council members might see the the design work, what decisions are being made as far as the... I don't know what you call it, the house, the building where the showers are and or not or well, storage. My, uh, you know, there's a separation with the park department that, that they have their own charter board and, and we get dragged into it, the city council. And, and um, I don't know if we will see the final design. I think it's up to the park board. Um, there's a trail on the west side of the golf course that they want to put in that um, I'm not a fan of and I don't think it's necessary. Um, but um, they'll be interesting to see if that does come back to us or not. Um, I'm kind of hoping it doesn't, but I have a feeling it probably will. Okay. <laughs> we uh, we better uh, run and do our other business here, Sean. I appreciate you uh, 
spending an hour with us, bringing us up to date on some of the topics the city is dealing with. And I look forward to getting together next month uh, for another update. Thank you, and have a great, wonderful week, and enjoy President's Day. Yeah, you too. I have to work. Sorry. <laughs> Obviously. As Sean Palmer, Rochester City Council member. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today News Talk. 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. The Minnesota Twins play.